and it was devastating. No, it was no, horrible. Yeah, we like, yeah. well, God, I hate to break it to you, kid. Yeah. <laughs> it was really bad. This is the Hopper Podcast. I'm William. And I'm Dave. Dave is my pastor. William is a hospice chaplain. We've been friends for over 20 years. For that amount of time, we've been having thoughtful, passionate, hospitable conversations about what is good and right and beautiful in the world. Each week, we pull an idea out of the hopper and talk about it. This is the Hopper Podcast. Well, how's it going, Willie? It's going well. The days are getting longer and it's warmer. I love it. Yeah, Easter is around the corner. Yeah. It's a month away. I was just looking, I saw this this picture on the internet and it okay. is hilarious. Okay. Yeah. It's from nineteen fifty five. I'm sure you've seen it. It's pretty popular. It's a it's a life size Easter bunny. No. And it's holding two little kids. And yes, this yes, but yes. this isn't like a, a white fuzzy bunny. I think I know the picture yeah, you're yeah. talking about. It's a classic. It's not a <laughs> pink bunny. It is a like a fur, a natural fur looking bunny. Oh, maybe I do. So it almost looks like a cross between a human, a lion and a bunny. Okay. Now I'm going to show you this picture. I want you to okay. see. I want you to see the two kids sitting on his lap. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that one. Isn't that great? Oh my goodness! Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. Oh my word! Yeah, so they're these kids are not happy. No, right? they're, they're terrified. No, 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 no. Like, there's, <laughs> there's like little kids. One of them looks like maybe three years old, and the other maybe one and a half. And yeah, they look absolutely terrified. And this rabbit lion person has has her his or her arms like holding on to them, yeah. and they're trying to get away. You can see the screaming. You can see the trembling. Yes, you can see the parents going. It's okay. It's just the Easter Bunny. It's just the Easter Bunny. <laughs> he, he wants to give you candy. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's just a cross between a, a giant rodent and a pedophile. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's horrible. Um, yeah, so I, I've always wondered about the Easter bunny thing. Yeah, yeah. Right? The, Here's this giant bunny that sneaks into your house <laughs> and hides things, yeah, right? Yeah. And And you're not afraid. Right. Uh, I guess it's like the magic of it all. And he wants to bring you candy. Right, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this guy makes it a little more clear. That's really yeah. freaky, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I hadn't seen that one. And it's um, you know it's interesting as you think about Easter with the uh, the bunnies and the eggs yeah. and you know the old fertility yeah. signs. Right, 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 right. How there's been this this kind of Christianizing of the pagan yes. religions and yes, uh, yes, trying yes. to overcome them and and it really has turned into this amalgamation. Yeah, you know, even like the right. Christmas trees or the Tannenbaums and all uh, of those are go back the, to yeah. pagan roots. It's Christianity and paganism wrapped together yeah. in so many of our traditions. Yeah. And you see, uh, you see, Santa Claus mm-hmm. comes from Saint Nicholas, That's who right. was a a guy who who took care of kids and orphans, and right. probably was a cardinal, had a red suit. Yeah. Um, but then there's also you know Santa Claus and right. you know uh, Krampus, right. um, and other pieces that have kind of blended into that. Right. And, um, so with Easter, we have this the fertility rites, and yep. mm-hmm. um, it's it's curious. I was doing a crossword puzzle the other day, mm-hmm. and it said. Uh, one of the roots of modern religion, mm-hmm. and guess what the answer was? One of the roots of modern religion, I... pagan. Yeah. And I thought, hold on a second, wait a second. Yeah. Um, I know that the Catholic Church, particularly in the Middle Ages, tried mm-hmm. to overrun some of these. Yeah. Yeah. And and I guess in their in their minds, they're trying to reform them. Yeah. Right? Sure. Um, all Saints, instead of All Hallows Eve, right? right. Is it, or right. Uh, or Halloween. Help me out there. All Hallows Eve is All Saints Day, right? Well, 
Yeah. So yeah, holy, how, holy, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Right. But the idea that in the in pagans was you know that they would cut a jack o' lantern to right. scare away evil spirits, right, and right, right, that right. sort of thing. And so the the Catholic Church kept kept overrunning these holidays. And yes. now we have these you know these opportunities in America to to I don't do them both or something. Yeah, yeah. or or a lot of them have been taken over also by companies and materialism. Oh, yeah, that's and, a great point. Right, and so that's kind of a yeah, third piece. The you market got paganism, driven. Christianity, and then you throw in like peeps, for, <laughs> <laughs> which are which are terrible, which which opinion. have nothing to do with paganism and nothing to do with Christianity. Yeah, but but they're very much a part of Easter these days because or the Cadbury egg or whatever. Do you like you know. peeps? No. Oh, they're horrible. Do you like circus peanuts? No. What are they? They're like wax and chalk. I don't know. And... It's bad. You know, I did when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't even like candy corn. But jelly beans. Now, jelly beans I can get behind. I can do candy corn, and I can do yeah. jelly beans, yeah. Yeah, so um, did you do Santa Claus? Well, when I was growing up, my parents, I always knew about Santa Claus, but I always knew that he wasn't real. Always. I never remember a time when he wasn't real. Right. Oh, excuse me, when he was real, yeah. Yeah. So I really bought into the Santa magic, and yeah. I was heartbroken when mm. I found out he sure. wasn't real. And I sure. felt lied to. I cried. I, I called my mom a liar. Yeah. It was, we had a conflict. Yeah. And and then I became a Christian later in life, yeah. and my wife and I decided we would tell our kids about these things, yes. the Easter Bunny, yeah. Santa Claus. We would take them to see Santa Claus at the mall. Sure. At the, but we, we told him that he was a guy in a suit right. and that the season was really about celebrating the birth of Christ, and yeah. Easter was really about the yeah. resurrection. Yeah. I love the time of year for Easter because everything's blooming, yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, new life is springing forth. Yeah, so when you talk about the pagan fertility rites, it makes sense right. that that combines, you know, that that's related to new life in Christ, and we, I, yeah, it makes sense that those two match up. Yeah. Well, anyway, this picture tickled me. I wanted to show it to you. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. So when you say uh, Santa Claus, and where does that, you know, all about that, um, when we brought my son home for the first time. He was he was living in Chattanooga, and he was um, five years old. And we drove him back to Chapel Hill, where we were living, with all his stuff, and it was great. And this was uh, you know, he wasn't adopted yet, but he was ours, hmm. you know. And it was it, he was ours. And on the way home, it was an eight-hour drive. On the way home, we got to talking about Santa Claus, and Catherine had talked about that we're not going to. You know, back before we got married, like, oh, we'll be going to tell our kids about Santa Claus. Oh, right. Yeah. And so the same uh, as my parents growing up and what you probably hoped for was that we're going to be really honest and like Santa Claus isn't real, but he's a thing. So we got this five-year-old who's going to a new home with new parents that he doesn't really know that well. Yeah. And we told him on the way home, there's no Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, no. He doesn't come to our house. <laughs> And it was devastating. No, it was no. horrible. Yeah. We were like, yeah. well, God, I hate to break it to you, kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really bad. You're coming into the school of hard knocks That's here. That's right. Yeah. 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 I, I don't judge parents who do that. Yeah, we thought about sure. it. We were close to it. Um, it's a lot of fun. It can be a lot of fun. It can be. Yeah. It, for me, it, was, it, it hurt eventually. It, it was a lot of fun early on. I remember... Just staying up all night, yeah. wondering when he was going to get there, and the yeah. the bite out of the cookies, and yeah. I yeah. loved it. Um, yeah. But man, it yeah, it really does serve a different purpose than mm -hmm. what I wanted to mm -hmm. disciple my kids into Indeed. through these these religious holidays. Yeah, but. Yeah. 
Anyway, you got a book you want to talk about. Yeah, so I got a topic to pull out of the hopper, and that yeah. is um, one of my um, favorite books that no one has hardly ever heard of. Okay. So let me so let me tell you about it. I'm more of a reader than you are, and that's saying something because I know that you are super smart and you love books, but but I love me more than you do. <laughs> well, you're being gracious. <laughs> Well, that's because you Thank went you. to... Yeah. to I did go to seminary. I somehow got through it. You've got a master's degree. You've, you've master's translated, divinity. Yeah. You know, I translated um, Greek and Hebrew. And Hebrew. Right. You know, yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. sell yourself short. Okay. Um, <laughs> but but I've kept up reading. Um, yes. Since seminary. Right. <laughs> Maybe that's a difference. <laughs> yeah. I took up painting. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, we're going to yeah. talk about that at some point. Yeah, we will. Okay. So this is one of my favorite books that I want you to know about that I haven't talked to you about. And it's by Richard Foster. You know that he's written um, Celebration of Discipline, yep. which is another, yep. just a fa- one of my favorite books. Really enjoyed that book. Yeah. Did, yeah. Yeah. Did you read that after seminary? I did. After, See, you're yep. still a reader. That's after great. After seminary. And I remember the introduction was very useful and helpful to say, hey, um, this is not yeah, about totally. about being religious Absolutely. or moralistic. This is about putting yourself in the place where you can grow in God's grace. That's one of the few books that if you read the introduction and nothing else, um, it's better than most books that have That's ever true. been That was a very helpful introduction. And then the rest of the book just keeps getting better. Yeah. Yeah. So this one is also by him. It's called Streams of Living Water. And um, let me put it this way. Um, what he talks about is, he, uh, think about, um, you can classify different kinds of Christians in terms of their theology. So we can think about right. Roman Catholic theology, Greek Orthodox theology, um, Lutheran theology, Presbyterian theology, that's going to be our tradition, Baptist theology. You can mm-hmm. classify different um, uh, theologies that way. Right. right. You can also classify Christians by their, um, by the way that power flows in the church. So you've got right. elder-run Christians, uh-huh. you know, communities of Christians yep. that are elder-run. You get like Presbyterians. You got some that are uh, run by the congregation, where the congregation is invested in all the power. There's no other power outside of that. Those are you know con- the Bap- a lot of the Baptist right. congregationalists. Congregationalists, mm-hmm. uh huh. And then you've got um, Episcopalian hi- hierarchies, or, or yeah. hierarchies. You know, where one person holds the power at each level, and so it's right. going to be you know your Methodists and your um, Episcopalian and your Catholic, uh, Roman Catholic. You know those yep. kind of things. Anglicans and such. Yep. And so it's helpful to think about how different Christians are different. Yeah. This is a different way of thinking about how to classify, and how to help to understand the um, strengths and weaknesses of different kinds of Christians that are that's completely separate from those categories. Okay. And it's about separating different Christian traditions into their spirituality. All right. So. Um, let me go through. So he's got um, six of them, but I, I, one I'm going to skip as we talk about it um, for reasons I don't want to talk about right now. But let me, let me go through these. Um, the first one that he talks about, or the first one I want to talk about is uh, what he calls the evangelical uh, tradition. Okay. And that's the one that we're in. And here, the spirit, what does it mean to be spiritual? Um, the first one that, that, that you and I are most familiar with, because it's part of our tradition, or that's who we are, is the evangelical tradition. And, right, right. And Although so, that's a topic for the hopper. That word is changing on us. Yes, it yeah, is. We'll talk about that later. Yes, it is. That's a, that's a topic for the hopper. Um, but the evangelical tradition, what it means to know God is really to study the Bible. Okay. And to uh, get your theology correct. Hmm. Objective doctrine. Um, and this really attracts a lot of thinkers. 
more than feelers. Right. Right. And so if you can imagine in a, in a worship service, this is what you and I are familiar with, the main feature of the worship service that you got to get right is a good, long, expository sermon. Yes. And everything is built around that. Right. So we, the music, if you know, the musicians, how do they fit around the sermon? The sermon. Right. Right? That kind of thing. And so um, what, we're, what we're looking for is uh, to find God's way as we see it in the Bible. That's what spirituality means. Mm-hmm. And it's a wonderful tradition that goes back, you know, to, to uh, before Jesus even. Um, but that's not the only way that people have thought about spirituality. Right. So let me tell you about another one. Um, another way, the going back to before the time of Jesus, that, that people think about what does it mean to be spiritual and to know God is a charismatic way. Okay, yeah. Right? And so they, are, they don't have as much of an emphasis on the Word of God. Not that they, I mean, uh, this is a matter of... of uh, degree. Degree, yeah. right, exactly. But they're going to be really focused on um, worship under the anointing of the Spirit. Right? So these are our Pentecostal brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. or Assemblies of God folks. Um, and they're going to be uh, really, really intent on the presence and power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and right. and how that works out in ministry. They're going to be much more emotional, uh, more feeling than thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're going to be very dramatic in the way they think about the conflict between good and evil. Everything is about this, you know, we're fighting the forces of Satan. Right. And it's going to be very dramatic that way. They are bold. They have incredible hope in God's power and creativity. They are optimistic uh, and all that, you know, that sort of thing. Right. The sermon is not as um, doctrinal as the evangelical right. tradition, but it's very, very emotional and it's wonderful. It's it's beautiful. Did, have you been to churches like this before? I have. Yeah. yeah. I, I've got several stories from from these experiences. Yeah. 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 Uh, these are wonderful brothers and sisters. Um, anyway. So then another stream that goes back again, and this book by Foster talks about the history going back to the time of Jesus, Right, is a contemplative. Yeah. So contemplative. Um, this is going to be um, very, very focused on stated prayers. Um, very clear, um, slow, meditative, trying to commune with mm-hmm. me, with Jesus, almost directly, as much as possible. And let's get everybody else aside. High liturgy, very high liturgy, mm-hmm. and it and it's not so much communal. Charismatic folks are very very communal, very right. very community oriented. Um, this is going to be me and God, and it's going to be very much. It's going to attract a lot of introverts. Mm. Um, that what they want to do is it's it's me sitting down, falling in love personally with Jesus and feeling his. They do better than just about any other tradition in combining. The intellect and the emotions. Hmm. Very, very honest about their emotions, about sadness. That's a huge piece of all the prayers. Prayer walks. I know that you love to do prayer walks. I do. That very much comes from this contemplative tradition. Hmm. What does it mean to commune with God? What you're doing there on the prayer walk is not so much Bible. No, right. But that practice really comes from this contemplative tradition. And I think probably what you found is that it really helps regulate your emotions and, and absolutely put your emotions in line with the Lord Jesus. Yes, and that really was born out of great trauma. Yes, and I, I was uh, I liked prayer walks beforehand, but they became a, a necessity yes. at some point to 
to help deal with the, the emotion. Yes. I was either going to act in a way that would be criminal or I was going to pray. Yes. Those, those were my decisions. And I, just, I chose to pray, and it's been life-changing in that way. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely regulates your emotions, and uh, it's, it keeps you steadfast. Yes. Yeah, and, you, and there is a liturgy to it, I found. Yes. It, it, when you're praying for an hour every day, yeah. you better believe there, there are certain segments where you start repeating. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's almost uh, a necessity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like your mind is tracking through the things that you really want to say every day. You know, I pray about forgiveness every day. I pray about emotional health and, uh, and spiritual growth. Yeah. I pray for physical healing for uh-huh. me and others. Uh, you know, there's just a pattern to it. Yeah. 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 And so the contemplative tradition is where that practice comes from. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And they've done it really, really well. I wouldn't call you um, primarily a contemplative. Right. Uh, I think you're, you're in the evangelical tradition, but you've got this really strong contemplative piece of it. Right. So that's, um, that's them. Then um, the fourth one that I want to talk about is social justice. And so this, uh, what it means to connect with God is to build his justice in the world right now. Right, so this is Martin Luther King Jr. Sure. and Jim Wallace, um, liberation theology and liberation theology. Yeah, mm-hmm. William Wilberforce, uh, you know, who who helped right. with the slavery, um, and so this is um, struggling against the downtrodden, uh, struggling with the downtrodden against indifference and oppression. Um, I, I remember hearing, uh, that, and this is what it means to connect with God, and we see we see this in Scripture really, really clearly that this is. Is this not what it means to know me, says the Lord, right. to uh, seek justice for the widow and for the orphan and for the alien? This is what it means to know me. This is where the ju- social justice gets it from Scripture. Right. Yeah. Um, and I've had large intersections with this crowd as well. Have. Yeah, for and years I have and years. Absolutely. Yeah. I think this is wonderful. I was listening, I think, to NPR recently. They were talking about interviewing someone from Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. that was uh, instrumental in the, uh, a lot of the protests this past summer. And they were asking the question about how does the black, it was a black person, how does the black church fit into the Black Lives Matter movement? Is, you know, is it from your church that you're doing this? Hmm. And the person responded, uh, when I'm out there marching with Black Lives Matter, that is church. Mm-hmm. That's the social justice stream. Right. That, that what it means to know God is to fight for justice in the world. Right. Yeah, yeah. I love this tradition and it's but it has like all of them have has weaknesses. Sure. They because of their lack of focus in, on theology, their theology can really be terrible, can really be bad. Uh, it doesn't have to be, but it it can be. And then the final one I want to talk about is the incarnational that's very very sacramental, high l- litur- mm-hmm. liturgy. But different from the contemplative, this one is corporate worship. It's the body of Christ mm. together. It's the corporate version of the contemplative, in a sense. Mm-hmm. And so this is the high, ch- very high church liturgy. Orthodox. Yeah, the Eastern Roman Orthodox. Catholic, Roman. Right. Mm-hmm. The, not all Roman Catholics, because there's actually Roman Catholics are certainly a wide enough tent that you've got all of these. Right. There are definitely evangelicals in the Roman Catholic, definitely charismatics, mm-hmm. definitely contemplative, definitely social justice. But you're right. When you think about the high church coming and like going through, especially the Latin Mass, like that's connection. Right. As I go and I and I go through the Latin Mass, not me, but as a person would do yeah. that, they're connected to everyone who has ever done the Latin Mass in the history of the world. 
past, present, and future. And they really feel that, that we, I'm a part of the body of Christ that is relating to God. Yeah. It's important. We see that in Scripture all over the place. So, again, highly liturgical, but yes. in this case, it is more communal or, yes. instead of individual. Yeah, yeah. That, that I, I am not the bride of Christ, is what these people would say. Yeah. I'm a part of the bride of Christ. Sure. And we need to connect with each other. And it's through the sacrament. It's, it's through beauty. It's through mm-hmm. um, even dance, you know, that kind of right. thing. This yeah. is one of the things I like about Presbyterianism is that you you can be a a, a high sacramental person. Yeah, um, it's it's a part of who we are, yeah. but not all of us. Right. I, you know, I I've had lots of discussions with other brothers in our denomination. I'm not yeah. sure they they get the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as far as the means of grace, right? That they are that there's there's something particular going on there, something special by God's yes. institution. And I remember struggling with that for some yeah. time. Me too. Yeah, it takes a while for you. It's just like when you, you start thinking about who you should baptize. I right. mean, in Presbyterians, we baptize little ones. Um, that needs to go in the hopper. That does need to go in the hopper. Uh, but, but yeah, mm-hmm. but it, it's one of the last pieces to come together when you when you build folks, a system yeah, right. of doctrine yeah, and really right. understand. That's um, right. And so sacraments is also a little slippery for us in our evangelical corners. Yeah, but but within our small little denomination, which is really all evangelical, that's I, I would say all of us are. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to be in our denomination, the PCA, without being evangelical. Right. But we've got different. We've got all these other streams as a part of it as well. Yeah. One of the things I love about this is that I can identify my own tradition without being ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed that I'm not charismatic. I'm not ashamed that I'm not contemplative. I have a tradition, and we all do. Yeah. That's maybe a different topic, you know. Uh, right. But uh, I can learn from these others while maintaining, right. maintaining fidelity to the tradition that God has brought me up in. Right. And that that's sanctification, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's growing in wisdom, growing as a person. Yes. I mean, when you take these personality tests, you're supposed to think like you're in your 20s. Because by the time you're in your 40s, you're supposed to be a different person, a more sanctified yeah. person. Right. And so, the you know, if, if I used to be a very high D person in the DISC. Yeah. That, that's gone way down. And the yeah. S was low, and now it's much higher. And yeah. That's all part of, of the fact that we're, we're in process. That's right. And so this is a great way for us to consider where we are and why we are in that station and how we could try to be more well-rounded. It helps us to, be, to, help, helps us to learn from others as well. You know, when, when I encounter someone in the social justice tradition who doesn't have their theology exactly right, but I can appreciate their attention uh, to what the scripture clearly calls us to, that is a weakness of my own life and my own tradition. Right. And and evangelicals may say they have their theology exactly right, but if they're not fighting for justice, they don't. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. There, there's something anemic with their theology. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, and, and you can do that little trick with each one of these sure. as well, right? Yeah. If the power of the charismatics, if the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't lead you to the Bible, then it, it's not the power of the Holy Spirit, and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, this is very helpful. Yeah, I really love this book, um, and having these, I don't mean to put people in buckets. In fact, I want to bleed these categories as much as possible. Right. Um, but having the categories helps me to see, to, to remain humble myself about my own tradition, mm-hmm. and open to learn and to be gracious to others who are different. Right. Richard Foster, Streams of Living Water. Thank you for listening to the Hopper Podcast. What do we miss? What did we get wrong? What ideas should we put in the hopper? You can write us or send us a voicemail at thehopperpodcast at gmail.com. 
Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an issue. And if you like it, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so that more people can find the Hopper Podcast.